that's a nice ending. <laughs> okay, Actually, I, I, don't know. I don't know if we have more thoughts, but that no, was I don't nice. Think... <laughs> so more innovative and collaborative. Ooh, din, 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 din. <laughs> that's not what her. That's not what her um, little jingle sounds like. I'm sorry. Don't have perfect pitch here. <laughs> In this episode of Bluebell and Mai, we are talking about imposter syndrome. We share about our experiences, how we challenge imposter syndrome, and what we think the roots are. So imposter syndrome, I feel like that's a topic that's commonly discussed in spaces of personal or professional developments. And in a way, I feel really comforted when I hear more conversations being talked about it because for a very long time in recent years I really came to see it surface as being more talked about so Kathy have you experienced imposter syndrome at all and in what kind of spaces do you experience it in? Yeah I mean I think I've experienced it all the time <laughs> um I remember you know uh even applying for like volunteer positions or extracurriculars in the early years of uni I would feel that um applying for uh like your first like part-time my first part-time job on campus too I felt that um I even feel it now (laughs) uh job searching after I graduated and then job searching again as well as kind of in all instances um where you have to kind of evaluate, you know, against a certain quote unquote standard, right? Usually they have like position or job descriptions about what you're applying for and you compare yourself against it. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's been like an ongoing challenge to try to like manage not feeling so like imposter syndrome-y. And I guess it doesn't like help because like, I feel like, you know, they say, like, you're your own worst critic, and I feel like that doesn't really help when it comes to imposter syndrome either. Um, But what about you, Rachel? Yeah, like I mentioned, I feel like I've always, like, outside of school, outside of work, just, like, in life in general, I feel like whenever I'm in any sort of space where I feel like I'm being evaluated for my skills or my character, I always feel like, oh, I'm the fake one here. Um, but the most relevant would probably be in school or with like work we're volunteering, like applying to things whenever there is kind of that measurement of qualification, there's like some sort of evaluation process. I always feel like I really hold myself up to like a high standard and kind of like tell myself, like, I don't think you have this or that, and I don't think you're like qualified. And then even when I'm offered a position or an opportunity I feel like I go through that kind of self-criticism stuff a lot um yeah I guess like a relevant recent example is just with applying to grad school coming out of undergrad I feel like that was such a huge leap for me to overcome the feeling of imposter syndrome even before I decided to apply because there are like very specific qualifications Um, things like your background and your work experience and then like your grades I feel like in all those aspects I feel like oh like I don't think I'm like up there and then so when I started getting offers I'm like 
wait, is this fake? Is this even real? I like check like the offer letter so many times to make sure like I read it correctly. And then even now, like going into grad school, I feel like, oh, like I feel like everyone else deserves the opportunity, like my incoming cohort. And that I'm like, oh, the lucky one, maybe it was a mistake. And I really feel that strong sense of self-doubt. And I imagine I would also feel it during the first year. I don't really think like it's something that can just be easily resolved. I feel like for myself, it's something that I have to constantly work on and kind of take into consideration of and reflect upon. Um, I don't think it's something that I can just get over and like be done and over with. And I feel like it's constant growth and like continual reflection, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've also noticed that too, because I think we're also the types to like apply for things, whether that be like career stuff or like education stuff or whatever, that would like help us grow. So there is already like innately like a gap, right, that we have because we want to like learn and like gain experience. So I feel like that it's almost like it's natural that because we're applying for positions that have a lot of learning where we haven't done everything we're not experienced um then I feel like we feel like more of an imposter because I when you were talking you remind me that I got like an I got an interview like invite for like a position um and I was like did they just make a mistake (laughs) like why are they interviewing me um you know and usually like he doesn't interview a lot of people so then I was like okay maybe I don't know uh there weren't that many good applications right maybe I was only the one of the few people um yeah and I had a conversation with another colleague that was like trying to like reframe about like what I was thinking and all that type of stuff but I definitely I definitely do feel it um in a lot of instances of like oh yeah this is probably just like a mistake or like you know there wasn't that many good other applicants so I was just like the next best one (laughs) that type of stuff oh yeah like on your note of grad school like I also feel the same way though like I I haven't I I mean I applied but then I ended up deciding that I'm gonna wait for a little bit longer before I start and just imagining like me applying for 2023 fall which is when I'm thinking I'm gonna start I'm just like you know I have a friend that got in this upcoming um September or yeah um and uh I'm just like oh my god like I read her uh her letter and I'm just like oh my goodness if I was on the committee I'd be picking this letter too like it was such good writing and I'm like I can't write like that like am I even gonna get in and you know you would always like do research intensively about like the acceptance rate and like who gets accepted and stuff um which I think is more common for like med school and like public health um but you know grad schools sometimes have percentages of like oh yeah you know how many are you are you do like accept and and the one I want to get into they're like yeah we accept 15 people per year <laughs> like in terms of like the cohort and the acceptance rate acceptance rate says is 26 percent so it's not that many applicants but also it's the program is like quite like new like it's not even 10 years old yet and so I feel like you know as time goes on it'll get harder and harder to um 
get in but yeah that just kind of like scares me where I'm just like uh do I even like line up and also like the program is about like equity it's like equity studies so it's about EDI and like social justice and stuff and I'm like am I even good enough to get in (laughs) yeah I think like during my application phase of grad school I spent so much time like reading grad cafe like I literally read the forum for the past three or four years like every single page just reading up on applicants and applicant profile and then eventually seeing who got it in um, and that really messed up with my head because obviously like public health is a very diverse discipline there's people coming from all different fields but I kind of weighed myself against like just very different students that are very like very qualified very experienced but then trying to make a comparison and beating myself up that like oh I don't have I don't know like clinical research experience but that like it's not a requirement but then kind of just comparing myself in that way and then even like looking at people's LinkedIn and then seeing like all the things that they did and I think that really yeah like I really put myself down looking and comparing to other people in that process and when I did get into grad school and having offers I was like hmm that didn't really seem to match up with what other people had were they like did they make a slip up like did they read my thing correctly what (laughs) and like really doubting that I actually made it and was qualified so yeah I really try like to I guess acknowledge that a that like these people on the admissions committee they're experienced and they have the full picture of like what their applicant pool is and like be acknowledging that I might not immediately see what I have and what I can bring to the program just because I've never been in this program, right? And I've never, like, I don't have the perspective of someone who teaches the courses or who runs this program and that they see potential that I probably will like find out or I don't know, discover two years and just kind of thinking it more optimistically like that. Um, Yeah some mindset shifts and reframing that I've been working through as well Mm -hmm. yeah I think like um there's also like a spectrum you know like on those forums it's like self-reported you don't know like the range of applicants and also who they pick really depends on like their criteria they you know like qualified can be defined in like multiple ways um yeah, so I feel like it's a really, like, complex thing, but I definitely understand, like, looking at all of these, like, amazing people, and you're kind of, like, <laughs> I don't compare it to them, you know, um, even though, like, I would like to think that both of us are pretty engaged people, like, we're quite involved um, in terms of, like, work and, like, um, working in the field that we're interested in, like, volunteering and all that stuff, so it's not like we've been, you know, um not doing we we didn't just go to school and that was it you know we did other stuff but yeah I definitely think it's just it's always hard to look at like where people are and what they've achieved and then compare it to yourself because they potentially also are like kind of around the same age too um in some cases so I think we wanted to also chat a bit about why we think we experience imposter syndrome and what the potential systemic roots are I think for myself, like more on a on an individual level, it definitely has a lot to do with just my level of self-esteem. I think 
that is also influenced by my upbringing and my culture and just the way that I was raised. And I think, again, like the whole concept or the notion of being compared to as an Asian child, I feel like it's so prevalent that even in ways that we don't like consciously think about, I think impacts the way we perceive or perceive ourselves. And then I think that is a big reason why I feel like an imposter because I feel like there's always someone doing better than me, someone who's more qualified than me. And I don't think I'm up to that standard and I hold myself up to that. So I think that's something that is, or something that I've identified as a cause and you say uh, for experiencing imposter syndrome. Um, and then the other thing, I think this came like as a pretty recent revelation of just the idea of like spotlight effect. Um, and spotlight effect is when you think that everyone is looking at you unconsciously, obviously, but you go into a room and you think like everyone is just like paying attention to you and like trying to judge you and trying to like pick flaws and mistakes that you do when in reality everyone kind of walks around with that spotlight everyone's just minding their own business and everyone is so self-conscious of themselves that no one's really paying attention to you um it's just that idea and I think that also influences like the idea of being an imposter is that you think you're the fake one in the crowd and you think other people you have the fear of like other people finding out right you feel like a fraud but no one's actually like judging you really like everyone's minding their own business and so for me like it has really helped to kind of identify when I'm in a space like that that like I'm just doing my own thing and everyone's just doing their own thing and there's really no reason for me to like pick myself out like that I guess like yeah like I'm not that important but in a good way <laughs> um and so just to do my own thing and just like care less I think um yeah, what about you, Kathy? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think, um, I mean, I also grew up in an Asian household, so experienced the same things. Um, and I definitely feel that with, like, spotlight effect, too. Like, I'm a person that just kind of want to, like, blend into the crowd, like, hope no one looks at me or notices me. Um, so I kind of, you know, live my life assuming that that is what happens. But, um yeah, I definitely think that it's always, like, a worry of, like, oh, what do I look like? Like, all that type of stuff. Um, I was reviewing one of the Harvard Business Review. Um, so this recent article was titled, Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. And so imposter syndrome, as Rachel went through it, um, very similar um, definition that this author went through. But it talked about how... Um, Quote, even if women demonstrate strength, ambition, and resilience, our daily battles with microaggressions, especially expectations and assumptions formed by stereotypes and racism, often push, push us down. Imposter syndrome as a concept fails to capture this dynamic and puts the onus on women to deal with the effects. Workplaces remain misdirected towards seeking individual solutions for issues disproportionately caused by systems of discrimination and abuse of power. And so basically, it also mentioned, quote, imposter syndrome directs our view toward fixing women at work instead of fixing the places where women work. So essentially, the argument this author is making is that imposter syndrome 
as it is currently defined and like talked about is a very individual like it's a you problem that you need to fix whereas this author is highlighting that it's actually because the current systems and, and are and like you know stereotypes and biases and all of that expectations are institutionalized um and it's actually systemic that, for example, as a woman who is high achieving and ambitious, you know, you would get those comments about like, oh, they're so like aggressive or like, you know, other <laughs> swear words um, about like how women are or like if they're not um, agreeable because they are, you know, they're, they're, they're ambitious and want to fight for, you know, what they believe in that might not bode well within workplaces. And so it's kind of like almost society and these systems are telling women and like, you know, um, black and indigenous people that you're not good enough. And so you have this experience of like imposter syndrome. It's a lot to digest, but I think I would agree that an experience of imposter syndrome is like there are systemic roots and kind of like it's built into the spaces that we work in and the expectations and all of that and combination of all that and then your cultural and upbringing and how that kind of yeah responsibility it shouldn't be placed on the individual but rather like it's a I guess like a product of everything environmentally as well so I think it's interesting to think about it because I've always thought and I mentioned earlier that like oh I felt like I was the only one experiencing this perhaps because I didn't notice like or I didn't appreciate the nuance in like, even just like my position and like where I stand in my different cultural, or not cultural, my different social identities and how that in itself is so like pervasive in just the way that I think and the way I self-evaluate and perceive myself. And so, yeah, I feel like this, I feel like this aspect of imposter syndrome isn't talked about a lot because I feel like, the conversations I hear are like really just about like oh what can you as an individual do to like shift the way you think but it isn't always like the way we think it's like why are we thinking this way in the in the first place right like what kind of policies would you say or like what kind of like systemic barriers are there to help people feel empowered right and so just thinking about that I feel like is a it's a different and interesting perspective to think from. Mm -hmm, yeah, because basically it doesn't place the responsibility on you to like work through it yourself. It's that like the systems and like expectations are essentially like, you know, colonial and these mm -hmm. systems, even like the idea of professionalism, like for example, okay, very simple, like basic um, example is um, like business clothes men have suits and women also basically have men's suits altered to fit the bodies of women like it's a very masculine like women's like business clothes like you're talking you know the blazer and like the pencil skirt or like pants and all that stuff like it's based off of a male business suit so it's kind of like you're expected to try to take on this persona of quote-unquote professionalism um, and, you know, what is culturally acceptable, but what is culturally acceptable and quote unquote professional is basically like, do you act like a man? And in this case, most cases, do you act like a white man um, within like a workplace? 
and the article is way more eloquent highly recommend you review it we will link it in the description of this episode but um yeah I I've never kind of thought about imposter syndrome from this more like systemic perspective but I find that it's really important because the systemic part of imposter syndrome is not talked about right it's talked about like mm-hmm. oh yeah I experience it and, and you know er- lots of people experience it and so lots of people talk about how they experience imposter syndrome but no one asks like you know why do you feel this way and like what in like society and like the structures and institutions is causing you to feel like you're you're deficient or like a fraud you know yeah and kind of like it's talked a lot about what you can do to kind of fix your mindset so you feel more like belonged and all of that more qualified but like what can be changed in the system to make people feel validated for their experiences whether that's like lived experiences or like just like feel like they're part of like feel that they belong to wherever spaces or community they're part of right Mm -hmm. yeah um and there was another section in the article that talked about how confidence does not equal competence which I think that's true and I think you know, usually, like, one of the coping mechanisms or, or like, reframes or, like, strategies, I don't know if it's a strategy, but we would talk about, like, oh, yeah, like, like, ways to feel more confident in yourself, because they kind of, like, tie, like, imposter syndrome to you not feeling confident, um, and it's kind of, like, linked, but, like, the main cause of it is because society is telling you um, that, like, you know, you're not, you're not it like you're you're not um qualified and so then that turns into you not feeling confident and I think sometimes we expect like if we feel confident then it'll make us feel better about Mm -hmm. it but I actually think like from reading this article I don't know if that made any sense but um from (laughs) reviewing this article quickly like I think what it tells us is that actually we're probably in the majority that majority of people do feel imposter syndrome and we've named it because for example like white men in leadership positions are less likely to feel it and so it's kind of like this is an other like syndrome that you need to like fix even though if you look at like the majority of people if you include women people of color black and indigenous all that type of stuff um that actually might just make up the majority, you know? Yeah, and it's like, how do you expect someone to be confident of who they are and their experiences if, like, the very system, like, invalidates those experiences? Like, you can be confident, but if what they have to offer and, like, just, like, them as individuals, if they're not, like, being validated, then how can how can you expect them to have confidence? It just doesn't really make sense, and I feel like a lot of what is being talked about, yeah, again, just places the responsibility on the individual to, like, fix something, which definitely isn't, I don't think it's a holistic approach to actually resolving this issue of imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of, like, it's just something, like, super, super simple as, like, you know, me and you, we have Anglo-Saxon names, which I, I think for the most part has been a great privilege because, 
our names are easy to pronounce. And we had that as our legal name and we used it for like our job applications. Um, you might feel like you're like a qualified person, right? You match the qualifications on a job, you applied for it, and then you don't end up getting it. What does that tell you like indirectly, right? Because we rarely do receive feedback of any like helpfulness um, from a job application. You would just say like, oh, I wasn't good enough. And so it's kind of like, is the system that already disproportionately doesn't, you know, equitably hire people from, you know, who are women and all of those equity deserving groups. And then you're, you're kind of like, okay, um, I guess I'm not good enough. So you're in those situations that you do get it. You're kind of like, oh, did they make a mistake? Like, I didn't get those all these other times. Um, in all these other situations, like, did they make a mistake? Is this fake? Like, am I actually ready? Huh? You know? So do you have like, um, like ways that you like challenge or cope with imposter syndrome? Because I mean, obviously systemic change is ideal, but that takes a long time and a lot of work. So is there anything that you do to like cope with like experiencing imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think for me, I've been really trying to identify when I do experience imposter syndrome. I think in the past, I kind of just brushed through or I think in the past, I kind of like suppressed feeling like an imposter and kind of just like, oh, like, okay, whatever, I'll just focus on something else. But I feel like when you're suppressing any sort of emotion or experience, then it, it doesn't, you can't resolve it, right? It's still there, you're just kind of avoiding it. And so I've been really trying to dig deep, you know, within me to identify like why I feel a certain way and really question myself through that process. Um, and I think something that ties into just like being very self-critical, I think it's just like, hearing what I'm telling myself and asking myself if I would say that to like my best friend and if not like why why is it acceptable to do that to myself and just kind of working through that and trying to work on how can I reframe this in a more like compassionate and like more I guess like um, from a growth perspective rather than from like a point of deficit um, how can I work to improve this aspect rather than thinking that I don't I don't have this qualification and I don't belong here. Um, so just working through these challenging thoughts where um, I find myself questioning or doubting my worth and um, engaging in that process rather than avoiding it, I feel like has been helpful. And sometimes just like, like talking or confiding to a good friend, <laughs> I feel like really helps because a lot of, I feel like when I spend so much time in my head, I just, build on very irrational thoughts that just don't really make sense and I feel like a lot of catastrophizing but when I actually talk it out with someone I feel like oh I was just like really in my head like I feel like now I have like a bigger like more grander perspective on what like this issue actually is so yeah just like giving it time and really like trying to push myself to think more deeply about why I feel a certain way what about you yeah I feel like I I haven't thought about the would you tell your best friend what you're telling yourself type of thing I feel like that would be a good thing for me to like practice but I do like confiding in like people within my network and try to trying to like almost like check the evidence of like are my conclusions like valid <laughs> you know are these yeah. beliefs like valid um and in a lot of cases they're always like no like Kathy you're like well qualified blah blah all the positive things and 
And I was asking, like, you're not just saying that because you're like my friend, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I I like doing that a lot because I think it's just, it's just yeah, exactly as you said, like getting out of your head. Um, and I think I've tried to reframe, like, thinking about things negatively and turning it into a positive instead. So turning something that's um, bad into uh, op- an opportunity, basically. So, for example... Um, one of the interviews that I got invited to, which I didn't feel qualified for, um, I reframed it to, you know, it's an opportunity for me to tell the hiring committee my skills and experiences, you know, um, versus thinking like, why did they interview me? I'm not qualified. Um, And uh, yeah, and I also like to approach things from an asset-based perspective, rather than looking at all the gaps, looking at like, what strengths can I bring and also like understanding like even applying for a job um you know uh just remembering that the hiring committee is going to evaluate me so I should just apply and then they'll evaluate me and then that's that versus trying to like evaluate myself before I've even applied even if I don't know what they're looking for exactly um and so I find that helps and I find like as you gain more experience, what I like to do, and I mean, it's a good practice because you don't want to do this like when you need to find a job, but you know, writing out those like accomplishment statements and what you've done in all of your experiences, including like paid, unpaid, all those types of things. And I think those examples like tell me of like, oh, I've done stuff. Like I have some experience here doing this, doing that. And I feel like that has helped me not be in such like a negative headspace and sometimes I find that negative headspace like it's almost like instinct it's like happens right off the bat of like oh it must have been a mistake and so having to take time to like really reflect as as you said um and question whether those beliefs are true and thinking about examples that I would have that either support or do not support the conclusion that I've made I feel like definitely helps Mm-hmm. And just another thought that came to mind, I think like in like work or like academic spaces where you're in like a cohort and like spaces where I find myself comparing to others, I think it's really helpful to realize that like you are different and these spaces need people who are different to be able to collaborate and to have like new ideas come out. And so rather than comparing myself in parallel with someone and trying to find like, oh, they have this and I don't. I feel like I need to spend more time reflecting on what I do that's different that I might not think is directly relevant, but it could very well be like valuable to this space. Like, I feel like that has really helped in terms of like the whole comparison idea and trying to set out a standard that's like just based on what I think would be the standard, but obviously I'm not the one on uh, on the admissions committee or the application committee making these decisions, right? So to appreciate like the more diverse things or even just like ideas or potential that I can bring. Mm. Yeah, I feel like committees, like evaluation committees in general are, you know, being push to think more outside of the box rather than what they have standardized as the ideal person that they think would like fit into like a certain job or a certain like you know cohort in in a grad program and whatnot and I feel like 
now they have to think about, you know, different ways that people can show that they're qualified that may not necessarily fit within what they initially thought of, right? And which mm-hmm. usually is a very like colonial way that you evaluate people. So for example, um, even something simple as valuing more lived experience versus before you did not value that, right? So you t- looked at like, okay, where'd you go to school, your grades, you know, your work experience and your volunteer work and that's it. And, you know, they don't really look at your lived experience. So it's kind of being more flexible um, of of the ways that you can contribute that may not actually align um, with like the box that you expect it to look like. It, you know, some people might fit in that box, but like other people are, you know, like stars or diamonds or something like that. Um, you always as you said, like bring something unique um, to the table um, and that will inevitably with, you know, inclusion and all that type of stuff will enable you to be more collaborative and innovative. 